Dan Wiederer. I mean, the dude is a tone setter, and that's undeniable. And I don't even think Ryan Poles and anyone in that front office would deny that. On-air contributor for 670 to score. I'm really excited to be part of the family. I can't wait to do it all year. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer. Flat-footed is what happens here at Hell's Hall way too often. Co-host of the Take the North podcast. We're going to take the North and never give it back. With our own David Hall. David, that's a, a lengthy description on the high-powered microscope that Matt Eberflus uses to judge his football team on a daily basis. And I think this is more than just a bunch of letters. Dan Wiederer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Bear down. Let's go. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Always a delight to talk to Dan Wiederer, and he joins us now in the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Dan, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Speculation season has begun, and we've only got four months of it left. (laughs) Well, you know, it's beautiful because there is so much to speculate about. They need everything. Correct. Yes, correct. Literally everything, pretty much. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they, they've got a lot to work with and a lot of work ahead. And so, uh, yeah, eventful, uh, eventful stretch coming up for all of us. Well, it was very eventful yesterday, Dan, so much so we had to do an emergency podcast, Take the North Just Dropped. And you talked about it on there, what we heard and what we didn't hear. What we didn't hear was any missteps, which is, I think, when you have covered as many of these as we have covered, that qualifies as progress the fact that there was no real uh, comment that's going to come back and they have to kind of explain or apologize and we're going to hear in a drop for the next five years. Yeah, we've had some doozies in recent years for sure and and particularly some of those Zoom calls uh, during the COVID year where I, I remember moments of, of kind of pushing back from my desk and slapping my, my forehead with, my, with my, my, my hand and going, my God, I can't believe they just said that. But listen, Ryan Poles, looked uh, very comfortable uh, on on Tuesday. He seemed very understanding of where they are, where they need to go, and and what he has to work with. And so I think that you have a a young general manager who is ready to get in the batter's box and and take the pitches and and take some big swings at this. And then, uh, obviously, I think over the course of this year, we're going to have a a much greater understanding of the actual direction of this team and this franchise. And I think uh, for that, all of us should should be pretty excited and pretty thankful. This segment with Dan Wiederer is brought to you by Old National Bank, where relationships and results matter. Get old. And, Dan, um, I guess we should start with the evaluation of uh, Justin Fields. What did you hear from from the general manager, and what didn't you hear? Was there anything that you thought uh, was left out of the answer? To be honest with you, Molly, I feel like the, the general manager echoed sentiments that a lot of us have been saying for months here and that it's look like we've seen how impactful Justin Fields can be with his legs. We've seen how he can change games with his playmaking ability uh, in, in a moment. And then he also said there's a lot of uh, a room for growth for Justin as a passer, that he needs to, to, to let the game slow down mentally for him, that he needs to react quicker to what he's seeing, that there needs to be heightened chemistry with the, the, the guys he's throwing the football to. And those are all sort of rungs on the ladder that must be climbed in 2023. And, you know, David and I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the podcast that we're going to get to the end of next season. And ideally, if Justin stays healthy, he's going to have north of 40 career starts in his career. And I don't know many quarterbacks in this league who have 40-plus uh, starts in their career, and you don't know who they are as a quarterback. And so that should excite all of us that at the end of, uh, this next season, that there's going to be little room for, you know, interpretation. It's going to be all right out there in front of us. There's going to be an eye test. 
there's going to be a field test to all this thing, and we're going to be able to, to, to determine where Justin is at. And I think the general manager feels that way as well. And his, his evaluation, obviously, is the most important one in the building. Dan, when Ryan Poles talked about Chase Claypool and he said he didn't blink about looking back and what had happened and what hadn't happened, he had some reasonable explanations. Maybe some people would view them as excuses, but J- Chase Claypool, bottom line, did not produce since coming over from the Steelers. I kind of get it, though, and I wonder what you thought when you're talking about the talent on the Bears and what they need to get. It's all about talent acquisition in this offseason, and the Bears got a head start on that by making that trade. Now, the trade may not end up you know, faring very well because of how high the draft pick ends up, but what did you hear in terms of patience level that Ryan Poles seems to have uh, achieved with Chase Claypool and what's reasonable to expect moving forward? Well, David, first of all, Ryan was the only one that didn't blink as it, as it comes to the uh, the Chase Claypool trade because, listen, you gave away a premium asset, a pick that's now number 32 in the NFL draft to take a gamble on traits, to take a gamble on a guy who's got size, speed, strength, contested catchability, and it resulted in you know 14 catches during the time that he was here for two months. And so now you say, okay, what were some of the reasons for that? Okay. Well, Justin and Chase didn't have a lot of time on task because both of them were hurt and missed games during that two-month span. Justin missed two, Chase missed two. Uh, you know, you're talking about a receiver trying to pick up an offense in midstream and not having an offseason in a training camp to learn all the install uh, and, and get his feel for his responsibilities in every play. But look, they, they need production out of Chase Claypool going forward. The, the sort of tangential conversation that was also part of this yesterday, David, was Ryan Poles sort of indicating that he thinks now we can determine whether this would pass a polygraph test or not, that their number one receiver is in house. And so he said that uh, in, in multiple ways at multiple points yesterday in the press conference that they think they can find a number one guy in the building. And so that's chase it's Darnell. And then you just got to figure out what you've got there, but that's, that's going to be a, a big topic of conversation. If we get to the end of this off season and there's not a, major addition to that position group because people will go, well, what are you doing now? You know, you haven't given your, your future uh, star quarterback an opportunity to, to maximize his development. I'm just curious uh, when we think about, you know, what he said about it, he'd have to be blown away to take a pick. Could you conceivably, and listen, I'm not dissing Justin Fields, but um, he has, his numbers have gone up modestly from one year to the next. And you would hope there's, there's kind of that, Jalen Hurts offseason breakthrough type thing uh, out there for mm-hmm. him. That would be great. And that would help if you, you know, made a trade, got DeAndre Hopkins, whoever, brought someone in that could that could fit in as a number one receiver. But I'm just curious, when you talk about potentially trading down, would you want to include a number one pick for next year and try to get into the Caleb Williams week stakes through another team. If that was the way to go about it, if there was a possibility of, uh, of him not breaking through. Cause that, if you had a Caleb Williams in this draft, that seems like the kind mm-hmm. of pick that you could potentially be blown away with. And the kind of player at the top of a draft who would really generate a lot of interest. Yeah, there's no question. And there's a similar buzz building for Drake may not nearly to the level yep. that it is for, for Caleb Williams, but but you feel when you talk to people around the league that there's going to be a, a, a two-quarterback uh, top shelf there next year that's sitting there for you. So what I would do if I was Ryan Poles is I would certainly see this through with Justin Fields. He's shown you enough 
uh, more than enough, to be honest with you, in terms of right. uh, athleticism, playmaking ability, leadership, all the, tr- you know, the, the things that you want inside your building to be the hub of energy. Justin, Justin's doing all that. And so now you've got this opportunity to, uh, with a team that's not expected to, to win any sort of championship in 2023, watch it play out, watch it unfold, watch it develop. And if you get to December of next year and you say, man, I just don't see him ever becoming uh, a top 10, top five guy for us. Well, now, hopefully you've got stuff in your back pocket. You've got resources that allow you to make your climb up the draft board in 2024 and say, okay, we, we want to get, uh, you know, because like, look, Ryan has not taken his big swing on a quarterback. And when you have your opportunity to take that big swing on a quarterback, you want to do it with, with just the maximum available to you. And so you, if you have the chance, to do that. That's what I would do. I would let this play out. And if we get to, to December of next year and there's still ongoing debate in the city on who Justin is and who he isn't, at least you've given yourself an opportunity to, to go up and, and get a, a player and Gary Williams, who everybody thinks is, is as close to camp misses that position as there's been in a while. Well, frankly, if we're in that position a year from now, there's going to be more than just questions about Justin Fields. And, and I think that you're going to have all kinds of questions about the front office and all kinds of questions about the coaches. And if you have another double digit loss season, then, you know, that, that's a, that's a scenario that's very difficult to envision. And it's certainly one that will raise, raise some doubts because now if you're, if you're polls, you, you've got an opportunity here. And I think that's what we heard yesterday is like, you have a, a clean slate. You've got all this money. You've got all these draft possibilities. Now you've got to put yourself in a position where you you remove that doubt next year and you make your quarterback that you have you know you believe in in a qualified way you he did qualify himself but give him talent see what this see where this goes i'm more curious to how he has the talent built around Justin Fields yeah. than i am Justin Fields well look they're they're both they're both parts of the same conversation and you better go out this offseason and find pieces on your offensive line that create stability and sturdiness there. They can't have nine different starting offensive line combinations in 2023 and expect the quarterback to make significant leaps. They can't have guys in and out of the lineup every week. They can't have holes, you know, interior, exterior on the line and, and just be trying to patch it together week after week after week. And then, uh, you know, again, it comes back to this receiving question and, and, and how comfortable are you with the, the guys you have in house and what, are the, the notable acquisitions you can make in, in free agency in the draft to upgrade that position? Because I, 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 for one, would be incredibly disappointed if they don't make some sort of significant addition to that room. You know, it can't just be another Byron Pringle or another Taylor Gabriel or another Marcus Wheaton that comes in here and you say, okay, let's, let's take our swing on this. It better be a, a draft pick. It better be a, a free agent that's got some, some, some juice to them. Otherwise, you know, I think you're not necessarily giving your, your quarterback the best chance to succeed. You know, we talk about building from the inside out. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the offensive line. How many – I mean, there will be guys back that will be needed to start. You cannot get an entirely new offensive line. But how many how many offensive linemen would you try to add? How many starting offensive linemen would you try to add? And, and how many um, – and who, I guess, identify who the guys are that definitely need to be starters on this team? Yeah, I mean, at a minimum, I'm adding two. You know, yeah. I mean, you just you just need an upgrade of talent there. I think that you heard some things from Ryan Poles yesterday in terms of their belief in what Braxton Jones proved to them in year one. Now, I think we've all said, you know, year two is going to be a whole different bar that we're asking Braxton Jones to clear. It's not just, hey, you're a rookie fifth rounder out of a small school. Can you can you give us something? It's can you be 
a uh, uh, an ascending player? You know, can you be a, a starter that we can lock, lock into our depth chart on either side and, and try to figure out if, if we can use resources elsewhere? So that's a guy that, like, from, from really May until yesterday, you've heard nothing but praise from inside the building in terms of his wiring, his approach. There's obvious needs for him to get stronger. There's obvious needs for him to work on um, some fundamentals and technique that will help him get better. But that's like a piece now that you have to try to get the maximum out of so you're not rebooting across the board. And then look, like I think there's, there's, there's such a, a interesting conversation to be had about Tevin Jenkins, because I think when he shows you the flashes, when he shows you what he did at points at guard, you go, wow, that, that looks really, really good. And that it, it gives you this, this feeling of energy. And then you look every third game and he's over there on the sideline in you know, a sweatsuit and you go, man, this is really disappointing because he's just not able to play for us enough to feel hundred percent confident in it. So that's a guy I think also like, 2023 is a very pivotal year for him because if he can't uh, answer that availability dependability piece, then then his future here uh, is probably in doubt. So Dan, on a day that Chicago's kind of evaluating the credibility of Ryan Poles and how much to believe in the general manager, given all that's ahead of him right now, he talks and makes a pretty good showing and he had did a pretty nice job. And then two hours later, we're reminded of maybe <laughs> a decision that he might want to come back and regret and he might eventually regret, or maybe he will never will. But Roquan Smith signs a hundred million dollar contract with the Baltimore Ravens, the contract the bears did not feel compelled or willing to, to offer him or to sign him to what was your reaction to the Roquan Smith signing? Yeah. So obviously David, you and I disagree on how much regret might be there for this. Like I, I understand where Ryan Poles was coming from with the decision he made there and saying, look, we're not really interested um, in paying that price. Roquan proved to the Baltimore Ravens that, that they think he's worth a hundred million dollars and, and 45 guaranteed with, with extra incentives tacked onto that. But I think the bears have, have different premium positions identified. Um, you know, they obviously talk about the quarterback position, pass rusher, offensive line corner. Those are, are, are positions that they value and they didn't feel like making that big expenditure. The flip side of this, obviously, is that when you subtract a, a blue-chip talent from your roster, it leaves you with a whole lot more work to do to add more guys that can make plays like Roquan Smith was capable of making. You also subtracted a leader from the locker room and, and kind of sent a lot of players in that locker room reeling in terms of like, man, you guys are asking us every single day to play with this maximum hustle, and you're putting it under this intense microscope and making us – uh, you know, accountable for everything that we do that isn't up to maximum effort. And then you get rid of two defensive captains in two weeks and, and expect us to have the same sort of production. And so that was uh, something that, that is part of this conversation. And they've got to fix it, right? Like I asked Ryan yesterday, who could you identify uh, outside of the Justin Fields conversation on your roster now that are blue chip parts of your core building forward? And he quickly said Cole Komet, and then he stopped. He couldn't come up with a second name. Of, of somebody that he considered a blue chip core building block. And that was, uh, that was interesting because obviously you subtracted a lot in 2022 and now it's about adding more back. Yeah. That answer surprised me just because I, I, I you know, love Cole Komet, local kid. His dad was on the practice squad. I mean, there's a lot to like about Cole Komet, but I don't consider him one of the better tight ends in the NFL. I mean, he might be in the top, 15, probably more like the top 20, I mean, midway uh, in the league. But I, I was surprised at that. He, he had 544 receiving yards. I mean, I, you know, he was fine for what they had. But I wonder, you know, don't they need more at that position? And, and I, I'm not talking necessarily about him. He's 
one of many, but I don't know that he's the guy. Well, yeah, I mean, they believe he's got top 10, top eight potential at that okay. position in the league. And, and you know, with 544 yards and seven touchdowns and a passing offense that was historically bad, they see glimmers of hope from that. I, I'm with you on some of it. I do think Cole gives you a lot uh, in terms of the versatility and his ability to be a part of that running game and to, to be a reliable, dependable blocker that allows you to do things. I would like them to add to that position and have, you know, another guy out there that can be a, a pass-catching threat um, and now you got two of them that you can mix in and, and mix and match and do things with. Um, but look, like the, the 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 bottom line here is they've they've got to add pieces. And they've got to add pieces that turn heads. And um, you know, it's notable. Uh, this is a, a a humorous anecdote from from Sunday morning. But Jack Samborn was on the cover of the game day program up in the press box at Soldier Field, and I was going down to the other end to catch up with some of my folks in the Vikings organization. And, and one of the guys in the Vikings organization picked it up and said, "Who's this guy?" And it was just a telling moment where it's like, here's the cover of the, the season finale game day moment. And it's a, you know, an undrafted rookie hometown kid who's on injured reserve, you know, and the division champion team is going like, what, you know, like this is, this is what you guys are celebrating in 2022, you know, and, and that's kind of where we are. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. You'd where rather, You'd rather have are. Justin Jefferson on that cover, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, so Dan, Speaking of talent and letting talent get out the door, do you think the Bears will have uh, have to say goodbye or will let David Montgomery walk away? Ryan Poles clearly showed his affection, clearly respects David Montgomery as a player. You wonder if that will be reflected in the contract negotiation. Well, as we've talked about previously, the the market at that position is stacked, you know, and so the dynamics of uh, supply and demand when we get to March are going to dictate that. I, I think Ryan Poles was, was very uh, forthright in expressing his admiration and the things he loves about David Montgomery. And it's not all about production. It's not, not all about explosion. He thought that David Montgomery was one of those tone setting leaders that, that created the competitive edge that allowed that team through a 14 loss season to, to not sort of lose hope or, or, or become dysfunctional. And those, those glue guys in the locker room are important to Ryan Poles. Now, look, you're not going to overpay for that. And that's where, where the, the business of the league is pretty cruel, where you've got a guy that does everything you ask him to do and you love him and you tell him you love him. And then ultimately, if someone comes in with an offer that you say, ah, we didn't value that high, you say, thanks for your time and we'll see you later. You know, and so that's what's ahead. And, and it'll be really interesting. I think when we get to the combine uh, in late February and you start to hear the buzz in league circles about, about who's talking to who and what, what the – you know, price tags are, that's, that's where we'll get some more answers on, on just what the realistic possibility of David Montgomery being back as a bear are. I found it very eye-opening that Justin Jones talked about in, in the final uh, interview process, the exit interviews, he talked about grievances that players have <laughs> and the lack of communication. And, and you know, I, I'm just curious, what was your read on that and what was he referring to? Well, we pressed him, you know, for two or three follow-ups because grievance was his word. You know, right. that wasn't that wasn't presented to him. He said grievances and issues that we were able to express to the coaching staff, and it sounded like there was just kind of a a feeling like that there were times where there was a disconnect. And he he, he mentioned something about like, you know, you can say you have an open door policy, but there are times throughout the course of a year, especially as turbulent as this one was with a 10 game losing streak and a lot of guys, you know, being put on IR or or, or traded or whatnot. Uh, that players didn't really feel like there was a direct line of communication to to ask questions, to express frustration, to be curious about directions of things. And so that's a, a very forthright, candid 
uh, expression from a player. And I actually, I give Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus credit for being open and soliciting that kind of feedback uh, on the way out the door of, of the 2022 season, because they're, they're new, right? They, they've both only had one year in the jobs they're doing. And so they better be constructively looking to get better uh, and listening to people around them and not being defensive at suggestions like that. But it was notable, right? Like that a player was, was willing to say that. That's the minimum though. I mean, you, you've got to hear from your players, especially after well, a season this bad. And Dan, Mark Grody told us that a lot of players were upset that Roquan was traded and yeah. that, it's some of that was the idea that they hadn't been informed about it. As you mentioned the two captains in two weeks uh, being traded, and that left them sort of in a hole. Well, and don't forget, like, the, the, the time that that happened, you know, Robert Quinn gets traded the, the, the day, it was either one day or two days after they came back from New England. Yeah. You know, and they, they had had that 19-point primetime win that – made everybody feel like, uh-oh, you know, there might be a surprise party in 2022 for the Bears. Like, they looked dangerous and frisky and, and on a momentum surge. And then within a span of 10 days, they got rid of the two defensive captains. And so, of course, that's jarring to a locker room. And particularly, it becomes more jarring when you're not able to, to get out of the tailspin then and you go, you know, two-plus months without a victory and you walk out the door with a, a franchise record 10-game losing streak. So, um, yeah, I mean, you understand the feelings and the emotions, and they're just going to have to, to, to do better in 2023 of, of keeping that all connected. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. You got it, guys. Have a good week. That is Dan Weederer. Interesting all the way around. It's, uh, you know, the old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. I think the Bears are in interesting times No doubt times about right it. Now. It's good stuff, and he's got strong opinions. and he's, he's, uh, he's not afraid to express them. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. I think that's the difference between, like, trades in baseball and, and, and basketball. It's like plug and play. There's an entire offseason and half of a season of installs and all the things that you need to do collectively to play and, and execute offensive play. On top of that, it was a little bit choppy with some of it, Justin getting dinged up. He got dinged up. So it was a little bit choppy of a start. I told Chase, and we had a really good conversation, I'm not blinking at that one at all. I think he's going to help us moving forward, and I'm excited about it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That is the voice of Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager at the uh, uh, the state of the season address, whatever you call it, the state of the union. Uh, he talked about not blinking at all at the Chase Claypool deal that uh, – they gave up a second-round pick to get Chase Claypool. They had looked at the the uh, the receivers available in free agency already, and they decided they needed to make a move. And we know that the Packers had offered up uh, another a sweetener on their second-round pick, but the uh, the Steelers correctly went with the Bears, figuring they'd have the uh, the better the worst record, I guess, the better pick, and that pick ends up being the 32nd pick in the draft. I think Ryan Poles said the only thing he could say. I think he set the yes. right tone in regard to the conversation about that trade. It didn't go as well as Bears fans would have liked or hoped, but I don't think that right now you say it was a bad trade. You can It's trending in that direction. I will grant you that. The production wasn't what you want it to be. I want to be consistent, though. When you look at the Bears and why they did – maybe prematurely act in a way that was was now, in retrospect, maybe a, a, a bit hasty. 
it was to try to get ahead of the free agent class. Jacoby yep. Myers versus Chase Claypool was a good debate. Jacoby Myers is probably the most qualified wide receiver on the free agent market. The Bears decided they wanted to trade a draft pick, a second-round pick, which is de facto number one. It's a first-round draft pick. It's a 32nd overall. But, Molly, when you are this talent deficient, I guess you're looking for guys who can make plays, and they were not dealing from a position of strength at that time, and it doesn't look great now. But open-minded moving forward, if he is not your number one receiver, then I think he could actually have uh, pretty good prospects for a pretty decent year. But I I think if he's your number one wide receiver, those expectations are going to be too high for him to meet. Does that make any sense? I, he, he's, a, he's a 1A or he's your number two. I just don't think on this team, if you're expecting him to put up number one numbers, that's going to be realistic. Oh, no. No, yeah. that's not going to happen. And listen, you're spot on. Um, the, what what would you want to hear Ryan Pohl say? Yeah, oh, boy, did I step in that one. <laughs> what a terrible deal that was. Holy cow. What am I going to – I could have had a number one pick. Oh, boy. I overreacted. I, I don't know what got into me. I really, really messed up the whole year. You can't do that. You can't say that. What, what do, do you, you mean? Do you agree? I thought this was really interesting. This jumped out at me as I listened to it yesterday, listening on the Odyssey app mm-hmm. coming off the score. Yeah. Is he's him saying the plug-and-play, it's different than the NBA and Major League Baseball where you make a trade – and you take the guy from the one team, yes. and he goes right in, and you you know what you have, and you know if it works. It's, did you agree that? Yes. Did you agree that there need like he he needs more time, and do you think we need to give him more time to see if it's going to work out? I hundred percent agree with that, and I understand what he's saying. Now I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying it makes sense, but football is overcomplicated at times, That's, and and offenses can be way more complex than they need to be, so that baseball and basketball are different. Than football. There are plenty of receivers, maybe not plenty, but there were a number of receivers who you could bring in and they would make an immediate impact. They would go get the ball. They would go, um, they, they, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about some of the guys that were traded in the offseason. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins missed six games for PEDs and then immediately made a difference when he came back, right? And now he was there already. I get it. Nonetheless, I think if a guy like that came in, you would see him up and running from day one. I just think it's a different skill set with different players. I I think that you overcomplicate things. I really do. And I think that there are definitely some guys, guys above the other players that could make, you know. You think I'm overcomplicating this argument? I think it's an argument that you make, and it's a convenient argument, but very rarely – uh, do you see a guy with that kind of lack of of any contribution when you've given up a first round pick for him? Well, I think the injury is the other factor That's that he mentioned, factor. which yeah. was not it, it of the quarterback it, it, or of the receiver. I think both. Okay. I think both the the health status of Justin Fields and Chase Claypool and their inability to get in sync because they both missed time did not help him assimilate quickly. I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for him because I, I don't think that they are valid necessarily. I do think that football teams can overcomplicate things. They can make offenses too difficult to learn. And and of the two, if there are two positions that you can immediately plug and play, you would think it would be cornerback. Go go defend that sure. guy. Take him out. Yeah. And wide receiver. Run deep. 
get open, and use your athleticism. And apparently middle linebacker. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Do you think that's necessary in today's league? Do you think that player is in this locker room? And if not, do you think you can secure one this offseason? Yeah, so that's a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would start with, at the, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. So, you think it's necessary? I think it's necessary. I think uh, you can have a collection of guys that work really well. Um, I think you can have a tight end mixed in with the group. So collectively, I think you just have a, you got to have a good group of playmakers. Um, obviously, you know, you would love a number one. I hope one of these guys on a roster or if someone's available can develop into that guy. Um, we'll see. But we're always trying to look for playmakers. And hopefully one of the guys that we have in our locker room now can elevate to, to that position. He's, talk, I, I, yeah, he's I, talking about number one receiver. So I think I think if they had a number one receiver, then uh, these guys would all fit together much better. I, You know, Darnell Mooney went out, right? Chase Claypool came in, and Mooney went out shortly there. I, I mean, they don't have a lot. They don't have a lot. You know, Byron Pringle wasn't the answer. Nikhil Harry wasn't the answer. Those I mean, are just guys. The Bears have a lot I'm of just saying, guys. They have a and, lot and, of just guys. But if you had, like, a number one receiver – Followed by Darnell Mooney or Chase Claypool or Chase Claypool and Darnell well, Mooney, whatever order you want. That, that's what you I'm know, saying. Now you got a receiving core. If you have a somebody like a Hopkins, somebody like a Devontae Adams, somebody like that who's a clear-cut number one wide receiver, respected around the league, and has the track record, then the Chase Claypool move makes a lot more sense. So that's right. why it right. feels a little bit incomplete. And that's why I understand why the general manager – we know he's not going to acknowledge no. something that might have been an, a regret, but I also understand why he's not blinking yet because it's an incomplete picture. Yes. It's much like Justin Fields, the passer. It's an incomplete picture because we don't know how he will progress when he actually has receivers to throw to and an offensive line to protect him. Get, get a couple more offensive linemen, get a number one wide receiver, and you'll see a huge difference in Justin Fields. Now, I think I agree with that, and whether it's DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals, we have a texter wondering about Cooper Cup's future in Los Angeles if Sean McVay leaves. You have situations that you can't really anticipate yet on teams right. and franchises right. that might be in a state of flux, and if you're the Bears, you are in a very good position to take advantage of that because you have the money and the capital, in both in draft picks and, and finances, to go out and, and, and make room for that guy. If you can make it happen, if you can be creative, we know Ryan Poles will be aggressive. Because he already has been aggressive. I mean, he moved, he moved his two best defensive players before the trade deadline. I think there was a mild surprise that he was able to do that. But that's an aggressive GM. All right. We've got Chris Chelios joining us next. Um, I think we should talk about how all teams in Chicago deserve the number one overall pick. And all teams in Chicago getting the number one overall pick would get all the teams in Chicago a lot better in a big hurry. What do you think? I think that would help. We'll, talk, we'll talk to Jelly about it next. Well, you know, on the score. Chris Chelios. Up the boards to Chelios with room. He shoots. Score! Bet MGM ambassador. Nice play by Chris Chelios. Hockey Hall of Famer. Chris Chelios is not human. I'm convinced of it. Not only will he go in the Hall of Fame, I think he should go in the Smithsonian. Blackhawks legend. Chelios will add defense, but he'll also add offense to the Hawks. 
Steve Smith to head to Murphy. Nichols at the line. Chelios moving in. Chelios scores! Chris Chelios has won it for Chicago. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. What a competitor Chris Chelios has been over the years, and he's been a winner every place he's ever been. Chris Chelios with Mully and Haw on 670 to score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score. Always a joy and delight to talk to Chris Chelios. And he joins us now in the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Chris, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Pretty good. You know, we're trying to figure out whether to be happy or not that the Blackhawks won a couple of games in a row, right? I mean, they've got a two-game winning streak, which sounds great. But now you worry that, hey, you know, you want that counter Bedard kid, so uh, let's get that going first. Is it wrong to be unhappy if a team wins? Well, I mean, you still play to win, right? I think the highlight of those two games would have been the fans got a chance to see Reichel, who actually didn't let anybody down. Him, Domi, and uh, and Kershaw had, you know, two really good games. And, uh, you know, I was pretty excited to see those guys. play together on the line and you just see the promise in the kid Reichel and Domi obviously having a pretty good season. So um, I don't think you got to worry too much <laughs> about that. <laughs> that uh, we might have that spot secured, uh, not, you know, not to be sarcastic, but again, and there's no guarantees with the way that lottery is run either. So, you know, I think the fans, it was, it's great when you win your home games and it was a good buzz and, 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 and the fans are pretty high. You know, leaving the building is a lot different when you have after a win. And, Chelly, it was amazing because they did it without Patrick Kane, who missed those games with the injury. He comes back. What's interesting this time about him coming back is it seems like they're going to stay with Reichel. They're going to keep him up here rather than send him back to Rockford because he did look like a different guy. Why do you think he played with such confidence and he was productive? What was different this time around for Lucas Reichel? Well, I think in the beginning of the year, he knew he was going down. Uh, they'd said it publicly, you know, in the papers, that he was just up for that little stint. But this time, you know, he made it hard for them to send him back. He's ready. You know, in my opinion, he's ready to, to take that step now. And he's an NHLer. You could tell the way, he, you know, he gets rid of the pocket, how quick he is and how smart he is. So I think the Hawks are going to hopefully, they, I think they're making the right decision by keeping him up this time and, uh, you know, like I said, that's something for the fans, especially. The fans could use something right now. And with Kaner, with his injury, it uh, doesn't look like he's going to be out much longer. Um, but, yeah, the, the team, you know, stepped it up. They worked harder, rolled four lines. It seemed like Luke Richardson kind of, you know, decided he's going to do that and, you know, cut their shifts shorter. They had a lot more energy. And, uh, you know, granted, it was only Phoenix. But even though they got outshot by Calgary, you know, they played a hell of a game. You know, you mentioned Max Domi. Is it wrong to look at him as through the lens of, like, unrestricted free agent, impending unrestricted free agent, and what can you get for him from uh, the trade deadline? I mean, is it is it he's having a, a really good year, but, you know, obviously when a guy's heading to free agency and you, you're on a team like this, you think about what you can get as opposed to what you give him. Yeah, no question that he's really upped his value. You know, last year, those two goals he got in game seven with Carolina, you know, obviously a very great, a very good offensive player. Um, and, you know, the Hawks have made it no secret. If they can get some picks, you know, you know they're going to do it. Uh, unfortunately, Max loves Chicago. I think he gave 
Columbus a little jab uh, about the city not having any people come in to visit him because of the city. And now he's got all kinds of friends and family coming in to, to visit in Chicago. But, yes, there's no, no question the Hawks are going to be open to some, you know, some some the talk about some trades with him and, and gather up some more either prospects or, or draft picks. Chelly, Seth Jones is an all-star, but he's an all-star because the Hawks have to have an all-star. Every team does. I don't know that he's having the kind of season he has had in the past, and maybe not success. Maybe it's part of the, because the Hawks are struggling as a team. How would you assess his season to this point and your level of surprise when he was named to the all-star team? You know, there's always question marks on all-star selections. And the only one that would be, uh, you know, probably the, the, the type of year it would have been Max, but they're afraid that Max might have been traded or might get traded, you know, and not have a representative. So, you know, Seth Jones has all-star up last year with his, you know, offensive ability. It's just his defense, because he's matched up against the other team's top lines, that he, you know, he's got to find a way to, to find a happy medium to, to be responsible defensively. And I don't think he should worry about his offense too much. That'll come uh, in time when they get some more depth and, and, and they get a stronger team. But, you know what, he's, he's definitely in that, in that category of being an all-star. And it's, you know, congratulations to Seth for making it. You know, Chris, there wasn't a lot to cheer during the Bears season. There wasn't a lot to, to kind of hang your hat on as they lost 10 straight games to end the year. But they wind up with that number one pick. They wind up in this bizarre moment where somehow Houston on fourth and 20 converts a touchdown and gets the two-point conversion. It was just, uh, it, it was kind of meant to be. At least it felt that way. Yeah, and let's hope they pick the right guy. You know, I hate being right on the bet last week because, like I said, without Fields, uh, really no chance. Um, I didn't think just because he could sometimes steal a game with his legs, but it's great. You know, that gives the Bears fans a little bit of hope. You get that first pick overall. What position they're going to pick, you know, I don't know because they need a little. They need everything, quite honestly, for that team. So would you trade it, Shelley? Would you trade it, or would you stay there and pick a quarterback or or pick a, a lineman? What would you do? God, I don't know football enough, but I'm still not a believer in field, so I go quarterback, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Hey, Chris, thanks a ton. Great catching up with you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys. Thank you. Take care. That is Chris Chelios. Always fun to talk to I him. love Chelios. Yeah, how He's about great. that? That's pretty good. I, yeah. I mean, that's the first time. There's not many people that would uh, have the uh, cojones to I think he can get that. away with that. Yeah, I think, right? he's, I yeah. think he's all right. Man. Good stuff. Yeah. Good Hawk analysis, too. Lucas Reichel's here to stay. He's special. Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah, and it's a good question as to what's been different about it. I like that answer. He knew he was going down the first time. So. Psychologically, it sure. ha- would yeah. have to have some effect, wouldn't it? No, no yeah. doubt about it. It's good It's uh, good stuff, again, from Chris Chelios. All right, we're going to bring in Stacy Dales. We're going to talk to our friend from the NFL Network. We'll do that next. Molly and Hall on the score.